I just took a big, crunchy bite of coffee, and my teeth are <laughs> straight fucked, y'all. Explain yourself. I know what you're talking well, about, but no one listening knows what you're talking about. Glad you asked, Tawny. So I believe on the last week's episode of <laughs> Don't Yo, Can make We the Live. Noise. Wait, wait, Andrew. You, was that you, too much? I said explain yourself, and instantly all I hear is spoon against glass. <laughs> Kevin is losing his mind. Glad you asked, Tawny. Spoon, spoon, spoon. <laughs> I just I couldn't get into character without um crunching oh. up this coffee granita that I'm eating. All right, glad mm-hmm. you asked, Tawny. Um <laughs> That's a clean take for us. (laughs) Uh, Listeners to last week's episode of Yo, Can We Live will uh, remember I talked about making a coffee granita, I believe, Mm -hmm. Um, which is basically just like coffee and you you keep maybe add a little booze, add a little uh, sugar to it and you just scrape it when it's like almost frozen Mm. um, until it forms these little granules that I will silently hold up to the camera yeah and so he's got a little Mm. dish and it's on a spoon and he's eating it like picture like a chia pudding that's what's going on Uh, it was not until we jumped on this zoom that i realized that it is a solid it's yeah tawny and i were both under the impression it was a liquid form (laughs) yeah i thought Uh, it was at least like a shake yes it's becoming like a shake but yeah it's basically and also then this has been sitting in my fridge all week because, or freezer all week because I was like, the line between uh, or of when you can drink coffee with booze or eat coffee with booze in it is, uh, well, it also shouldn't be just before you record a podcast, but. um, I like that you basically made a little artisanal complicated for loco. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is there a lot of coffee? Are you going to be like calf, like up all night? It's one um, pour over. It was just a pour over I With made that how I much like. Bo- pardon me. This is the show. Yo, is this racist? Where we listen to your voicemails <laughs> about racism. With help with special guest or guest, I'm Tony Newsom. That's Andrew T. We got producer Kevin Bartelt. We'll get to it. Uh, how much booze <laughs> is in this? I think like like about uh, I guess like one uh, jigger, so 1.5 one point five ounces. I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Of. Like the the gross booze at the back of the booze cabinet. That's like not malort, but technically, but it fills mm-hmm. the malort like you know function. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the uh, malort so I got function. Yeah, it's like gross and herbal. It's the and sequel European. to the Kaminsky method. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm so saying? Many Emmys. It's just nasty. It's the nasty booze. That's a little too sweet and a little too herbaceous that I have in the back of my uh, booze cabinet. It's like chartreuse. Um, none of this sounds good, but I'm happy for you. I it's don't know. okay. I just really needed coffee, um, and I I thought I was running late because I thought my uh, Gmail had been hacked, and thus I was having <laughs> trouble getting the. Uh, none of this is true. It was fine, but I was having trouble getting the Yo voicemail. So then people, I was like, <laughs> "You can tell people why you thought your Gmail was hacked. You're allowed to put me on blast." Oh no, no, not just that. Not not simply that. But uh, Tani did um, start. Something happened, I'm guessing, on her phone, and um, her personal calendar items started showing up on the shared calendar that the three of us use to uh, organize this show. Our suboptimal pods calendar that's usually just like when we have a guest, when we're releasing things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was freaking me out. 
that I had a, la- a lash appointment. <laughs> and I was like, Andrew was calling people. Surely I've been hacked. Well, but also, actually, I genuinely, like, I don't know what happened on my, like, the, the bookmark link I always click to get to the, the Yo voicemails was, like, not mm. working. But then I went a different way, and it's all there. So I don't know. Something happened. Um, but, yeah, I truly was like, files are gone. Weird calendar events are popping up. Mm-hmm. Have, to, have to have coffee with booze. <laughs> That is Gots to have it. A to B to D. <laughs> um, I just had a yesterday. I got a drink with a friend and I got a pina colada, but it was purified instead of blended, which I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting. And it just looked like a vodka Clear? tonic. And I was, yeah, I was like, I think this is the wrong one. He goes, no, this is the right one. But I took a sip and I was like, oh, I guess it is. But when he ID'd me, he was like, very confused because it's a like coffee slash bar and i guess i was ordering this with the barista not the bartender and he was like can i see your id and i gave it to him and he looked at it for like 30 seconds and what wait did you just turn 21 (laughs) (laughs) oh wait what (laughs) and i was like no yeah i was like no i'm 28 and he was like Oh wow. Yeah, and I'm 35, so like I should have got that. And I was wow. like, yeah, oh, you should have. Wow. What? I was like, was do you see how day. the year says like it's in the 1900s? That means I'm older than 21. And he was like, wow. Okay, uh, yeah. Sorry, dude. Math can be brutal. Good point. <laughs> oh god, Everyone's that's a good way to struggling. know. Yeah. Everyone who's a Zoomer was born 2000 or later. That's a good way to remember that. In case you guys mm-hmm. were looking for a handy way to remember who's a Zoomer and who's not. Mm-hmm. Those are our <laughs> fun alcohol stories. Uh, I, I mean, I have fun alcohol stories that I'll save for the other show. But um, I, <laughs> the long story short is I, I ended my, uh, not ended, but before when I was very strategically <laughs> drinking so much less. I was trying to mm-hmm. only drink like once a week when the cast would go out in uh, in Vancouver. Um, then I went to wine country with friends and d- just just ruined my life. But mm-hmm. now I'm back to the once a week thing because I realized I was like, oh, that was fun. But I also feel bad and my body doesn't yeah. feel great. Yeah. So, you know, it's good, it's good a reminders. Good, a good segue into the wellness drink culture episode we just released on Suboptimal. Thank you, Kevin. It was very funny. So if you haven't been uh, listening, uh, suboptimalpods.com, that's where we put out um, a bunch of premium content. Go check it out. And we do lots of shows that are not racism. Um, so one of them that I do with my friend Kristen, who's a wine and spirits expert, um, although she told me I'm not allowed to call her an expert anymore because it got us in trouble <laughs> in wine country. Um, no. I, was just, <laughs> I was just trying to get a man to not be so condescending to her and not mansplain this wine that she literally, like, she works for their company and he wasn't, anyway. Um, or she yeah. works for a company that works with them. Whatever. She knew everything about the wine that this man did and he was talking to her like an idiot. Um, so I called her an expert and then he was very hostile. But... <laughs> Anyway, uh, she and I do a show called Drink Culture that uh, is her basically teaching me about where booze comes from, where the gimmicks around it come from. And we did one, we recorded it months ago, and we just put it out on wellness and like CBD cocktails and mocktails. Mm -hmm. And listening to myself from months ago, just talk about how healthy I feel and how little (laughs) I'm drinking, blah, blah, blah. I was literally listening to the episode for edits the day that I was like the most hungover I've ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fuck, past me. 
you need to yeah. come back. It's a different Tawny. <laughs> oh, God. It was like fucking sister, sister. I was watching a totally different person. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, that episode just came out this weekend. So check it out in the suboptimal bundle. That's right. Hell yeah. Um, but now we talk about this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And on this show, we talk about the news. Mm. And surprisingly, felt like a low, I won't say it was a low racism week, because we know it never is. I would right. say it, <laughs> it felt like a reduced um, mass top of mind racism week. Yeah. How's that? I I think it was like yeah, low on like sort of national focused atrocities. Yes. So I guess that's good for at least people's like mental health. I don't know. Is that- yeah, I was gonna say, or is it that everybody went kind of like fun time, summertime, and doesn't want to yeah. think about stuff? Which, Which is, is like also, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's valid. I was thinking about how last summer. Um, for black and brown folks, especially, and for super engaged white people, um, I'm not trying to leave you out, but for black and brown folks, especially, it was, you know, that summer was kind of taken from a lot of us, not just by the pandemic, but by, you know, protests Mm -hmm. and mass demonstrations. And Mm -hmm. so I, I notice a lot of those folks this year really getting after it. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I I, I think they're related. Yeah, those are those are the it's like the the pressure and the release. And I think both are exactly what people need to be doing. I think I don't know. Um, I think I would love if everyone had a little bit of a uh, if if just everyone could balance both at the same time a bit. And and I do see more and more people doing that. I think that's what you're talking about. The pressure and release right now. I'm seeing it from people who were very engaged last year. And I know you know, people we yeah. know personally who are still very engaged this year, but are just doing it different, having some pool time. Well, I think that's sort of like the, anytime I go back and forth on this, because sometimes um, like when you sort of hear the phrase, like, I mean, things we've said, like, like just like existing, just being joyful as a person of color, for instance, is like sort of a political act. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I think that's true. I also you know, can see that is a way to sort of rationalize laziness or not laziness, but like rationalize, like not giving a fuck when you could for some people. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I I do think that like, as we see, like it is also a true fact that those things need to happen. You like cannot be changing the world all the time um, because Mm -hmm. it's impossible. And like, like taking care of yourself is actually part of that. So I don't know. I just think I, I'd like to think of it as like, this is like witnessing that, that, that like protecting oneself, protecting one's own psyche. And like, if you go a little overboard, of course you should like, that's part of it too. I don't know. Um, I had a segue in my brain into a news story that I did not tell you about beforehand, but I forgot the segue. So I'm just going to start talking about it. Um, uh, uh, Lacey Mosley, friend of the show, Lacey Mosley, that LA Times piece. um, Mm -hmm. We talked about the struggle that she had. Let me not say the struggle she had. The racism that she experienced um, when she joined the cast of the iCarly reboot. Uh, All these trolls and fans and not just trolls, real ass people 
came for her and, uh, you know, were saying horrifying things and were being really awful to her. Anyway, so she did an L.A. Times interview. Yes, interview. Uh, and I thought really beautifully and intelligently, as I, you know, we all know she is, put the conversation back onto, I, I feel like it's what we were trying to say with that episode, which is the, the it, it should not be a, an, an issue or it should not be a thing of note that a black person gets cast in something where they previously were not black people. And so Hollywood needs to do a better job of supporting those actors who are put in those jobs. Oh, here was a segue because- simply existing, like Andrew was saying, being a, an act of resistance, that, that's basically what Lacey was doing. She got a job and that mm-hmm. <laughs> angered a bunch of racists. So simply just being a black woman and getting a job um, caused her to experience this, which is terrible. And Hollywood needs to do a better job of, you know, yeah. prepping your fans <laughs> for the fact that brown people might appear. Well, and and also like the both sides of it, right? Because there for sure were, you know, executives or or like people like, oh, you don't, you know, like, we don't want to alienate the racists. Mm -hmm. Like the, the amount that you kind of hear that at least sentiment like said in Hollywood is like, you know, it's disgusting. And it, it is just like, of course, we all work and would love to work for constantly mega corporations who are amoral, if not immoral. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, it, it's just this thing where like so often, yeah, I, I mean, you know, multiple things that I've worked on or developed myself, it's like, well, but like, we don't want to alienate blah, blah, blah. And like, I at least thankfully have gotten to the point in my creative career where I'm like, no, I absolutely do want to alienate, you know, yeah. X or Y racist, like, I, there's no there's no world where it's worthwhile to have them watching and enjoying my no. whatever. Especially so. now with so many niche shows and th- gone are the days of like, you have to be a network comedy if you want to create a show and you have to have everybody. No, mm-hmm. that doesn't exist anymore. So absolutely alienate those racists. Yeah. And like, truly, like, you know, you see like major corporations doing, or sorry, major non-entertainment corporations doing this. Mm. Like they know, like, you know, every time like, like you see the racists online outrage that like corporations are just being woke. It's like, (laughs) yeah, they're being woke because they have come to the like financial conclusion Mm -hmm. that the like money and eyeballs and whatever of like, the non-racist inclusive part of America and the world is more important than you. So I like, will add the non-racist <laughs> and the people concerned with seeming non-racist. Well, of course. Makes up sure. a larger quotient than yeah, yeah. <laughs> those uh, who you are know, concerned with it. So, so like, and these are the same people that are just like rattling on about the, you know, corporations should get to do whatever they want and the power of the market. And mm-hmm. it's like, as the market is speaking, they are like, trying to put their thumb on the scale and complain louder and like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess good luck to you, but you know, that's the only truly, this is me. Like, I guess being just such a capitalist stooge, but I'm like the fact that corporations are like, at least in lip service, like basically on the right side of things sort of tells me that that's where you know, that's where they're betting the society mm-hmm. goes. So. You mean towards progress? 
Yeah. You mean these big money money calculators, these big smart money machines d- yeah. <laughs> figured out the algorithm is towards inclusivity and acceptance? Huh. That's their that's their bet. I don't know. So I will take it. I will follow the money. <laughs> <laughs> because we love it. We love the money and we cannot we stress love that enough. We the money. We do this for the money. That's what mm-hmm. we do this for. Um <laughs> Oh man! I remember when uh, our our lovely podcast agent Josh, when we were um, going through our struggles uh, last year at the network, and we like didn't know what we were going to do or whatever, and I was just talking to Josh on the phone about how stressed I was and wanting to do independent but wasn't sure, blah blah blah, and he he literally said to me, "You can't be this stressed over your least lucrative gig." Yeah, <laughs> I amazing. Was like, oh fuck, that's a burn. <laughs> but we do it because we love it. <laughs> Well, I mean, truly, like this is like a thing. Well, it also yeah. is like the place where we get to speak as us most. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't we, mean to make it sound like we're doing a charity. We, we just are. <laughs> what we what we don't what we don't make in money, we make in saying shit that possibly will get our other jobs <laughs> <laughs> removed, destroyed, etc. What a what a lovely podcast we have. Um mm-hmm. do you think I was speaking of money, I don't know, I have no good segue either. The only the only thing that came on my radar that I thought about this week was um Quentin Tarantino fucking bought the Vista and mm-hmm. all these films and then subsequently was also on like Joe Rogan's podcast and other places talking shit about Who? Bruce Lee. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I will just say, actually, Joe Rogan this week on his podcast had a man say that black people have a gene that makes them more violent. Like, he is simply like, you know, Fox News, but actually worse. Um, You know, just in case there's any bozos listening to Joe Rogan, which I I know at least a couple of people. (laughs) Who listened to both this podcast and that podcast. I think that gene in me just got activated because now I feel violent. (laughs) Yeah, it's fucking... Anyway, um, but Quentin Tarantino being racist. um, I mean, truly, I would... Because this weirdly came up on a different podcast I did. I didn't even know Quentin Tarantino was going to be out there talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But that scene with Bruce Lee, I don't know if anyone's seen it. um, For considering, like, how much Quentin Tarantino, like... Loves saying the N-word, loves taking like shit from Hong Kong cinema, from black exploitation cinema, from black artists in general, and just like putting his like I love cinema white guy douchebag, like, you know, take on it or take from it. Um, you know, it that scene was like just truly like actually disgusting. The we don't just don't need to litigate a fucking five year old movie with a novelization out. But that that movie was like very like racist in its depiction of Bruce Lee, um, and him continuing to like bring it up and talk shit about it was just like really gross. And then it dovetailed with the news that um, that like uh, like Quentin Tarantino bought the Vista Theater, which is like a mm-hmm. shitty movie theater that I will never go to again um, near me. Um, people that people love and I understand, but like, truly it's just like, I don't know. I was a little just like, okay, right. All you like stop AAP. I hate people who are like, oh, it's dope. Quentin Tarantino bought the Vista are like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, fuck you all, um, I suppose. And I noticed that, uh, uh, Bruce Lee's daughter responded to Tarantino because I think on the, on the podcast, he was talking mostly about how Bruce Lee was like a dick. Like, oh, obviously I'm paraphrasing, sorry. but his thing was like, 
Bruce Lee was an asshole. And yeah. wasn't his daughter like, do you have any fucking idea what my dad had to go through yeah, to be a that, movie star in that time? So in that um, scene, which is they're shooting a scene for the show Green Hornet, that show, like racist shit happened to him all the time on that set. Mm-hmm. Like, and so to have him be portrayed as the the like ch- cocky Chinese bully when that was like literally the opposite of what happened mm-hmm. is, yeah. As if, uh, Yeah. I'm like, we know that that stuff happens because racist shit happens all the time on sets now. Right. So, yeah, this imagine. was the fucking 60s. And, was, uh, and on that Joe Rogan podcast, um, the slip of the tongue that is very makes it very evident is like um, Quentin Tarantino is talking shit about Bruce Lee and says like Americans, the American stuntmen hated him. And it's like, mm. he's fucking American. So, mm. you know, he Quentin Tarantino meant not Chinese. Right, he men, meant but, white. Yeah. So, possibly Oof. black, I suppose, but usually white. <laughs> I'm like, in it's, the 60s, were black people allowed to be stuntmen? I just saw a thing about how black people weren't allowed to go into a bridal shop. Really? That was like a now this, like, very t- clickbaity Twitter thing. Mm. And it was just like a 90-something-year-old woman in a wedding dress for the first time. And I was like, I, I, I was half of the mind of, like, who is this really for? Yeah. And mm. I was, like, immediately wanting to fact check the thing about the bride. Because my first thought was, like, there must have been black bridal shops, but maybe there weren't, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> right, sorry to be a, uh, a well actually dude on this heartwarming story. <laughs> I just I think my problem it comes not from those types of stories or even from like now this, which I think is a great organization. Um, it's more just like the types of white folk who will retweet it. And yeah, I mean I, I think they're know. like a good organization. Like they're fine. It's <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those. It's like fine on the balance in the right place, but like you know, creates creates a lot of content to be retweeted, but then, you know, the yeah. it maybe doesn't sink in. Man. Is this been it didn't most- sink in for me. I don't remember right. anything. <laughs> no, no, but sink in for the whites, I guess. Has this been our most rambly first act in a while? In a while. We've been pretty like on really- the ball because we usually both, or one of us has to jet away immediately after we're done recording. Yeah. Not today. Uh, however, Andrew does kind of need to be somewhere. I don't need to be somewhere. I would like to be somewhere. Oh, um, all right. Anyway, should we take a break? Take yeah. a break and listen to some voicemails. Woohoo! Hmm. I have not. <laughs> Wait. If you could distill our relationship, it's woohoo and. <laughs> I I was just really thinking like I think I was not prepared for one shot of gross booze and one sh- like icy coffee. I'm like really like I'm actually just struggling right now. You feel like that's like a housewife speedball. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm really like this is like a really I guess in is Irish coffee that can't possibly be a good term. To it use. Was, well, Irish coffee, specifically <laughs> Irish whiskey and coffee. So it's not, it's not, it's only racist if you're just calling any coffee with booze in it Irish coffee. <laughs> wow. This was nasty, whatever. 
Oh, God. Anyway, I'm struggling here. Um, I'm struggling here. Woohoo! We're back. Woohoo! Mm. I almost yesterday got a espresso martini yesterday, and then people were like, you're choosing between a pina colada and espresso martini, and you want to get wings after this? And I was like, <laughs> okay, fair point, everyone. I did have an espresso martini in Canada. Um, I One of the nights we all went out to dinner, and it, it fucked up my whole night. I was yeah. up too late. I was doing too much. <laughs> That's a not thing, good. right? People are loving their espresso martini it's again. It's always been a thing. It's a thing from like the 90s, but because of the Real Housewife franchise, they're bringing right. it back. Like all, and all the Vanderpump girls, they're all drink it, drinking it for some reason. So now people are drinking it again like it's new. Oh, it, it I, I heard out. I heard that too and then I heard like they don't realize that it's like a new fad because they just never stopped so they're like yeah people <laughs> yeah. are <laughs> we've always been drinking it mm-hmm. <laughs> let's I can't handle it. this to right, a voicemail I just saw Kevin is sharing computer sound let's go hi yo crew and any potential guests this week um, I am a white lady and the place I work at uh, pretty much the entire staff are people of color um, and as we year up to go back to physically working in office spaces again I am wondering is it a weird bad meshing of intersections if I mention to folks hey please don't make fat phobic comments or diet heavy diet comments um i am the only fat person in the office and it's been an issue in the past before and i've definitely wondered like who am i to police a person of color's language um even though i know it's harmful to me but also is probably harmful to others who maybe in the office have had eating disorders and that's not disclosed or had weight issues or anything and i just don't know if I'm overthinking this. Ugh. Anyway, thoughts? Bye. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I think I didn't remember how it like the the very last microsecond of that call ended because mm. that was a delight. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, this, this whole thing was a delight. Uh, caller, thanks for the call. We dig it. Yeah, I, this is, this feels like one of those rare situations where the caller is probably exactly thinking it, the stressing it the right amount. Yeah. Maybe a little too much, I guess. Maybe slightly on the overthinking it, but I kind of don't think so. I don't think so either. It's complicated. No one who works here identifies as fat. So this is one of those uh this isn't really our area we can talk about yeah. things in terms of uh, here's here's i know i know what not to do and that's not really going to help yeah. you but because you sound smart enough to know this too but just for anyone else who's listening what you don't want to do with a conversation like this is bring it up when somebody is bringing up something that's an issue concerning race so if somebody's bringing up Anything to do with race or, you know, discrimination in in that way of how they're treated or something they're experiencing in the office, what you don't do is go and stop making fat comments because, first of all, it undercuts your your point quite a bit, but it also is just not the time or place. 
um, especially yeah. in an office of predominantly, you know, people of color. Yeah. You don't want to be the I one white that, lady going, also my thing. Yeah. I think that's the, yeah. And that that's sort of why I felt most comfortable, I guess, talking about this question was that, like, it's um, not really about what it's about, I mm. guess. Like, it's just that sort of, like, when, when do you step in with the, um, you know, the privileges you do have versus the ones you don't have. Um, and, and, but yeah, I think that maybe is uh, not something I'd considered the way you phrased it. It was just like, um, but yeah, that's, you know, I really like this like thought of like, yeah, the time not to do it is when it makes it seem like you're trying to divert or pull focus or make it mm -hmm. about yourself. Or what about ism? Um, yeah. Going, well, everyone's talking about race. What about the fact that you all do this? You might yeah. be right, but that's not that's not the time. Yeah, right. And because it's like it's not the rightness of it; it's the time makes your the the fact of your words less about what you're saying and the fact that what you're derailing. Mm -hmm. um, so, maybe hmm. do we just have a good solid answer? <laughs> we do. What's the answer? I, bring, just bring it up another time. Yeah. I, yeah. I hadn't I hadn't really okay here's here's a part where I will probably admit to falling down the most, which is that like i I definitely and this is not like great of me, I think, but sort of similar to the caller, I think would would have like enough like cognitive stress in a moment where like mm. a black person often is like saying something um you know, bigoted, not about race um, mm -hmm. or even about race sometimes. It's just like, I, I do think like, and, and that's sort of the like, maybe my brain just works on race so primarily, but I'm just like, well, you know, I, I don't always <laughs> even let it go, but I like, it takes me a second to just think it through. Like, is yeah. this the right thing? Is this the right time? And then sometimes even that hesitancy just creates a moment where it's the, the moment is gone. Sure. Um, so yeah, but I think functionally that means like, sometimes I'm just like soft on black bigots, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, I, 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 the, the weird, like onomatopoeia of yeah. that <laughs> is very pleasing to me. Soft on black bigots. Um, but the is, that, is that like, fair? no, that's a real that's, thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real thing for sure. Um, the other thing, again, a caller, I'm sure you know this because you've probably, this is probably not the first time you've had to like have this type of a conversation with people, but I will say for people in general, it is, it, it takes people a while to understand that the link between fat phobia and diet culture. So a lot of times people, it, it may be it may be surprising to some of them that in your speech about not making fat phobic comments, you're also saying, hey, please stop these other behaviors that are really that a lot of people just associate with personal their own personal struggles with weight. They don't understand yeah. how that language and those uh, tendencies and can contribute or, to fat phobia overall or well wellness. Like, yes, even that, yes. Yeah. Like I'm just talking about my own health. Yep. It's like you kind of aren't, but. But fair enough, because yeah. you feel like you are. Yeah, I mean, a, yeah, yeah. 
a phrase I like is, I didn't need to know that <laughs> when someone's talking about what they're ordering or the things they're not eating. I've had to say it to a lot of keto people. I'm just like, I don't need to, yeah, I don't need to know about that. Right. <laughs> that's none of my business. I also love saying that's none of my business because it sounds like I'm saying something to myself, but really I'm going, don't tell me this. Right. That's surprisingly, yeah. Tony. Huh? Came, back, came back from Vancouver with all this actual actionable and actual advice. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people want to tell me about their diets. And I, you know what? I used to be guilty of this. So let me, let me be transparent. I definitely did not understand that diet culture was so harmful. And I thought I was just making choices for myself and telling people what I was going through. And if you want to do it, that's fine. If you don't, no worry. But like, that was like a constant theme of my personality and it was dumb and bad and probably made people feel bad. So Feel free to tell past me. That's none of my business. All these situations are that little bit, especially with the caller, that like the overthinking of it, which I think Mm -hmm. we usually think of overthinking it as okay and fine. Mm. I think because we think most most white Americans underthink race. So Mm -hmm. like what they view as overthinking it. But, But it is true that like the overthinking is like this, like it's paralyzing and it is, if not a choice, it's an action at least that that causes other things to happen. And it's like, I think we we as a podcast, uh, and I'm probably pointing a biggest finger at Andrew, the fucking asshole, um, don't consider that enough as like a thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. But overthinking means you do things or you don't do things that still have impact. Yeah. Hmm. America underthinks, undercooks. Mm-hmm. Did you say undercooks? Or did I just hear I, undercooks? Because I've been thinking about food. I hope I didn't say, I didn't mean I like, to say undercooks, but I probably, I possibly might have. America's Don't. al dente on race. <laughs> America likes a rare take on race. Yeah. It's, it's, it's some a cold people, take. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to, this caller is going to take their filet mignon and cook it till it's well done and it's going to be burnt. You're going to ruin it. But at least you didn't, eat something zero yeah yeah that made you say this this (laughs) metaphor is really coalescing (laughs) in a way that all like all the pieces are there i feel like it's like all the pieces are on the table your pasta's gonna turn to bush but it won't hurt your teeth yeah correct zero percent chance it'll hurt your teeth um (sighs) the next voicemail is if i recall correctly like seven seconds long so hell yeah Are neighborhood watch committees racist? You know? Oh, shit. So if you went over a pothole and missed that, (laughs) the caller just said, are neighborhood watch committees racist? In in like a short call. Very threatening way, I will say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, The delivery was not my personal favorite. Um... This is Our my neighbor. favorite. This whole thing is my favorite. <laughs> Just keep it short. Keep it reasonable. Um, I I kind of wanted to talk about this question because I, I had a whole soapbox to climb on about. I feel like we get so many um, vague uh, voicemails that have, or, or, or maybe it's just semantics of fucking mm. the times in general, where like, they want to know if it's like inherently racist, mm-hmm. you like know, the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. To which my, I guess my reply is like, wh- what is this obsession with inherent? Mm. Like, 
it's I don't know. It's it's like neighborhood watch committees. Like I think in theory, as someone who personally is like, you know, we should defund and like get rid of the police and, you know, communities should take care of each other. Ultimately, what I'm sort of talking about is creating neighborhood watch committees. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, functionally, it's all like right wing vigilante racists. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's the thing where I'm like, yeah, but like in America in 2021 with the history that we've had, they're racist. Mm -hmm. So does it matter if they're, you know, inherently racist or by definition racist or whatever? Yeah, it's uh yeah, this this kind of obsession with like a black or white cuz I think that people want to know okay, I can't fuck with that at all anymore and they want to be like done with that forever. Um just talking about the idea of it being so so black or white. It's not always realistic for how things work in practice or like easy maybe. People want it to mm. be easy. But to me the easy version is like yeah, functionally, if you behave as if neighborhood watch committees are always racist, if Republicans are always racist, whatever thing that I have frequently said that like you could easily be like, but, but, but Mm -hmm. here's an an exception. Um, Maybe that's it. It's that people seem to think pointing at an exception um, is a valid Mm. refutation of an argument. And it's like, I guess if you want to play a semantic game about, inherently mm-hmm. or always or whatever sure but you could live your life assuming everyone who has a neighborhood watch committee um you know sticker on their door is racist and you will be right enough to navigate <laughs> your life in America in 2021 for the rest of your life so who has a better like process of thinking about it i would argue i do <laughs> always um. I just was like, do I bother with the the other side? Do we bother like Goldilocksing this, or do I not care enough? <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, the reality is, yes, it's somewhere in the middle. But like, again, you just it, you could live your life if you only had one little rule to get by. If you want a one rule, the yeah, they're basically always racist, works way more efficiently than, like, sometimes <laughs> they're not. You just get you get more done. Your brain gets more shit done that way. Yeah, with absolutely tragic exceptions, I suppose. But I recorded a podcast on Friday where we needed to see uh, the app and website next door, so I had to make an account. And... Uh, God damn, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty bad. Um, yeah. Yeah, it kind of made me wish that uh, instead of just spreading all of this like fear to other people that it all just went directly to like professionals because you can kind of see <laughs> the, right. the like fire spreading of like, uh, you know, of like, who is this person? And then three people commenting and then them guessing about this. And then yeah, and then five other people. It's like, man, if, if that initial person contacted someone who was not the police mm-hmm. and not eight other racist strangers, like yeah. this whole <laughs> post could have been avoided. Yeah. 
I'm sorry, eight racist strangers. I mean, it could have been a sitcom in the 60s. I mean, it was a sitcom. But (laughs) oh my god, oh my god, these these titles are really killing me. Yeah, we've got Um, a lot of options for this week. But yeah, mm -hmm. I think it is like. Sure. Is is a bulletin board about your neighborhood inherently racist? No. How could it be? Watch, watch and see. But like, I don't know. It just turns into that shit all the time. Is Reddit inherently racist? I guess not. And yet. No. Blah, blah. The guy who created it married Serena Williams. But like. How could it be? <laughs> I mean, look, but even down to shit like, you know, right to bear arms, right? Like the mm-hmm. NRA inherently racist? I guess not, but like, look at like proof is in the pudding. Like you just, it's like much more efficient to live your life knowing that that's the case. If suddenly hundreds of people signed up to join the NRA, <laughs> that shit would shut down quick. Well, they'd be like, never mind. <laughs> no, but that that's a thing, right? Like, like the only time Republicans like gun controls when black people have guns, and yet somehow it's just like, of course it's possible to change Mm. things and there are exceptions, but like, it's this, I don't know, churlish about outliers. I guess I just, this, this all rattled loose because the caller's voice was to me very like, I'm I'm projecting a like gotcha from this guy. And I'm, I'm trying to get ahead of a thing entirely in my own imagination. Uh, Yeah. Cause we don't know this caller. The caller might be like, just want just wanted to give us a chance to yeah to fuck go you off, <laughs> their voicemail short <laughs> you know um, what lovely stuff my friend who now i think both of you know steph uh yelled at a racist in in her next door and then she got uh reprimanded by the moderator on it for yeah. yelling at racists <laughs> yeah exactly it's like yeah that in in that sense, it's like, yeah, what's inherently racist is like this both sides of ism and, and all this shit. But it's mm. like, yeah. That's when you know you're in good hands when the moderator is like, hey, you got to relax. You got to relax. Yeah. You yeah. got to chill out on these racists. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. That's a that's a racism show. I We did it. Very much wish I hadn't had all that. um <laughs> coffee this has gone on a journey this has gone on from excited coffee granita to hmm coffee granita not sitting so well to if you want to know how badly it's gonna go the best way to do that is um (laughs) go to suboptimalpods.com and sign up for um the premium show yo can we live because i'm about to talk about how bad I we're feel about to find out there. yeah <laughs> yeah um and thank you thank you to our subscribers um we haven't talked about this so I, I won't disclose the number but we are a little bit short of a of a milestone over there and uh i, I love it uh, i hope they love it i hope you all love it i hope you love what we're putting out because yeah, we um, loved making the thing so thank you so much for your support if you're one of those subscribers and if not thank you anyway thanks for listening thanks for listening it all counts Three two three three eight nine seven two two three. That's three two three three eight nine. Race. You can call it for your voicemails. Yo, is this racist? Suboptimal pods. Uh, Kevin Bartell. Kevin J. Bartell. At some places. Tronny Newman. My name is Andrew T. Last name is T. I. Oh God. When I said it all counts, Andrew squinted like he was going to say, "Does it?" But then he thought better of it and said the phone number. Just had to put him on blast. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This is suboptimal.